outlaws driving their throbbing steel machines. Defiling whatever they touch. We want to be free to ride on the machines without being hassled by the man. Yeah, we don't want nobody telling us what to do. We don't want nobody pushing us around. This is Mike Tubbs, and you're listening to Chopper Profits. Uh, tonight, I have the distinct pleasure, in which I know I say that most of the time, but I really do have the distinct pleasure of having someone who I consider to be iconic in this Chopper culture uh, on on the phone with us and interviewing with me. Please welcome to the lines, to the lines, how about please welcome to the line, Max Schaff. The lion's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to edit that part out, although I may leave it in now because we, we do no, have to do it. <laughs> oh, of course, it just took us a while to get it all situated. But uh, yeah, from the moment we started talking and then I listened to the show, it was something that I'm more than happy to do. And it's uh, I'm flattered to, to be in the company of people like the, the great Jason Weber. So awesome. we're, we're, let's do it. Well, um, since we have at least 45 minutes to an hour with you, we're going to start from the way, way back, Max Schaff days as a little kid, and um, and what your life was like growing up. I, I know I'm probably not the only one that wants to hear about, you know, how your childhood was and what life was like in the Schaff household. Uh, well, it was kind of confusing, man. Um, my dad moved out from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where I was born in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and I'd still visit from time to time. And, uh, he moved to a little city called Walnut Creek, which is in the East Bay here. Mm-hmm. And it's just about, you know, 15 minutes, uh, 18 minutes in a car, 13 minutes on a motorcycle, 28 minutes on my knucklehead um, <laughs> from Oakland. And he had just got a job for a little department store out there. And it was uh, where he heard that you can afford to buy a house, mm-hmm. which is really weird because now it is impossible to buy a house there. Right. And, you know, it was like a total one-horse town with the, you know, literal Main Street with a Baskin-Robbins on it, you know. And now it's California Pizza Kitchen. And I, I get lost going to the town. But he had bought a house for, you know, under 30 grand there on a nice little neighborhood. No sidewalks, no street lights. I mean, I remember getting teased once as a kid. I was at, like, soccer practice, and the coach was like, oh, man, you live in the boonies, like, because there was no street lights. Right. But, you know, in contrast, you're 13 minutes away from Oakland. And at the time, he had got a divorce with my mom, and had moved out here basically to start this new chapter and kind of pretend the past never happened. Mm -hmm. And my mom, I think she was kind of sideswiped by it, and I'm without getting too personal, I think it was, um, he kind of just bailed. And so my mom decided to move out this way and figure out where we were and move to San Francisco, being kind of, you know, the artsy person that she is but someone that liked 
a city, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, there's, you know, a city and she wasn't going to move to fucking suburb. And so she moved to the city and mm-hmm. got a job as a dishwasher at a little bar and, uh, ended up finding us. And that being said, you could kind of tell, you know, two years old, three years old, you know, mom figuring it out and everything coming together. It was, uh, it was a little confusing as a kid of like who was who and what was up and right. where did we live and what happened to these people and who are these new people. And then you're just a kid. Mm-hmm. And that's how it all started. Like that's what I first remember is like certain confusions about <laughs> who's who. And, you know, I knew who my dad was always. Right. But, you know, that's, like I said, that's personal, and if you've ever looked at my blog, you, you realize I don't really have a lot of problem with letting that kind of shit out there. Sure. Well, I mean, at some point, right, in our adulthood, we start to work through those things, I think, and communi- yeah. communicating them is probably part of that, or is definitely part of that. So the, so your your parents then were both living pretty much within proximity of each other here on the West yeah. Coast. And- right. Totally. You know, and San Francisco is further than... Um, the Oakland is, but you know, because of the bridge and all that. So say my mom's a half an hour away mm-hmm. and you know, wants to see her kids. So weekdays were usually spent at my dad's and weekends were at my mom's and, uh, it was heavy contrast cause it was not suburban, like little tan houses, which there is that part of Walnut Creek, but this was, you know, kind of like, you know, riding a, you know, peak, not a PK Ripper, but I had a uh, Mongoose was my first bike. My dad bought it used. But, you know, riding your Mongoose around, jumping little things, you know, little curb cuts. But, mm-hmm. you know, we actually had no sidewalks. So it was like these drainage ditches that you could kind of half pipe through on your bike yeah. to going to San Francisco where that bike would have got taken from you in 10 minutes. Cause right. San Francisco... Where we always were was a little bit rougher in neighborhoods than it is now. So you kind of, it was really cool. You know, my mom would come get us and sometimes she'd take the BART train, which is like, you know, our little train in the East Bay and Bay Area. And uh, we'd spend a you know, day in the city walking around like, you know, the Mission District of San Francisco, which then was like completely Hispanic and now has been pretty much whitewashed. But, um, you know, whatever was cheap and free, Golden Gate Park and stuff like that, we spent a lot of times, you know, doing parks and slides and hikes and, and stuff like that. and Or just, you know, blasting around the city and looking at stuff. And at my dad's, it kind of became the place where, like, I went to school more and did my homework and, you know, had a more structured life. I was always really, really happy to see my mom and when I really knew, like, you know, you know in your soul, like, this is my real mom. This right. is my mom. I actually called her by name, Ramona, which is really weird. But hmm. what I figured out is that all comes down to that, like, confusion as a kid and my dad wanting to start a new life. Sure. Um, as much as every kid wants to fight his dad, you know, I never, we never, we always got along pretty good. And he ended up apologizing for all of the confusion. And he was like 20 some years old and I'm 40 now. So, you know, I I can't say that I would do anything any better than he did it then. Right. But, you know, that being said, it was, uh, 
lots of activities with myself. I have an older brother that's four years older than me, mm-hmm. and um, he's just kind of a gnarly dude, man, and he, he always has been. He's always just been like, you know, juvenile hall or kind of pushing the boundaries on life. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was an amazing, like, punk rocker. And I don't mean, like, punk in a punk band or, right. or anything like that, but he was, like, really good at being, like, the six-foot-tall dude with way too big of a mohawk, like, in the pit, just fucking going for it. Mm-hmm. Which, as a kid, was cool. Everyone knew who my brother was, but, like, everyone was kind of, like, scared of my brother, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, including myself. <laughs> So that was kind of all we had in common that I was like, yeah, Billy's my brother. Yeah. And you would kind of wait for the reaction from people. But, you know, we would fish in this little creek as a kid a little bit. And that's about as much as I remember about, like, him being a brother to me. Mm -hmm. He caught me smoking a cigarette once and he made me smoke a full pack so i never <laughs> smoked again i mean That's i've awesome. smoked cigarettes here and there later in life very rarely but like you know it was there was he was easy to be oh yeah max needs a whooping like yeah. i'll give it to him but you know it was uh i never as much as you want your older brother to be your hero it just wasn't who he could be for me and then the mm. stigma of him the older I got became almost uncomfortable. Sure. And then, you know, he kind of got out of punk rock and became a, a motorcycle messenger and bicycle messenger in San Francisco. And that was just kind of the end of that. But, uh, hmm. for me, man, you know, as a kid, it was PMX bikes, you know, I had a, the mongoose mm-hmm. and then the mongoose got stolen in fifth grade I knew who stole it. I saw the kid, knew him by name. No one believed me. I, it was like that sixth sense. It was the first time it ever happened to me. Yeah. And this kid with like light blue bell bottom cords and black wallabies and like, you know, a short black rocker key mm-hmm. and long feathered hair because it was the day of the stoner. It was right. 73, 83, 85, you know, something <laughs> like that. I see him like you know, sauntering through the campus and it was this, this chick Dana's older, she was trouble and it was her older brother. And no one knocked up their bicycle back then. Right. And I go out and my black mongoose with fucking my red uni. No, maybe it had a red seat. It had a red, Canada's red tough neck. Mm-hmm. And I remember it had an ET sticker because I was you know, into ET, of course. It had an ET sticker on the gooseneck and I had red tires. I mean, it was entry-level mongoose, but, like, with a little bit of red flare on it. Yeah, yeah. And it was gone, and I went. I'm in tears, of course, because I'm a big fucking crybaby. And I go <laughs> I, to the I principal's office. <laughs> yeah, man, it's my bike. You know, it's like my freedom machine. And, right. And, you know, everyone. And, my, and more than anything, it was like I'm looking at, like, badass bikes. Like, there was a hutch out there, and I'm like, Man. Why mine? And I think mine was like way tougher, like more like under. It's like this badass shovel head chopper with the wide glide that right. takes over, maybe ten over. Right. And it just looked like that dude should be on that bike and not you know little Max and his fucking 
ruse with a little zipper on the side or whatever those shoes. <laughs> right. And and so I go to the principal's office and I'm like, hey man, like this dude, I'm not gonna say his name because I'm still scared of him. <laughs> stole stole my bike, and he's like, no, he didn't. And I was like, no, he did. I know he did. I saw him. Like, he's a stoner, and he stole my bike. And he's like, no, he was delivering a note for his sister. And I got, and the principal was like, you know, I got the note. He didn't steal it. I was like, okay. Like, you know, in your gut, you're just like, no, that dude stole my bike. So I tell my dad, you know, I walk home. And, you know, then you realize, like, walking home takes 25 minutes, and riding your BMX bike home takes five minutes. (laughs) That realization. So I was like, you know, yeah, life sucks. Like S U X, fucking what yep. a bummer. Yeah. I get home and I tell my brother Billy, and my dad comes home from work and I tell him, you know, I told fucking whoever I saw on the street, like, hey, my bike got stolen. Like it's this dude. So no one really believes it. And then my dad is a runner. Like, mm-hmm. he, you know, he, he'd run, like, at least pretty much six miles a day. So wow. he'd work his ass off all day, come home at, like, 6.30 at night, and the first thing he'd do was, like, give us a hug or whatever, put on his running shoes and, and do his, his little six-mile or six-and-a-half-mile loop. So he comes back the one day, and I'm, like, outside, you know, picking my nose or whatever, and he's on a BMX bike. Hmm. And I'm looking at him, and, like, first of all, it's really weird to see your dad in running shoes and, like, belt <laughs> short riding a BMX bike down the street. <laughs> right. And I was like, okay, let me preface that, seeing him on the bike by, <laughs> I went to Seven Eleven to buy, like, five-cent candy, and mm-hmm. I go, I told my dad, I said, listen, I saw my tough neck, and I saw my pedals, and I saw my rear wheel on that dude's bike. And so my dad was kind of like, okay, it's on. So yeah. then he's out running and I go, but it's a chrome frame and it's got like blue handlebars. I see him. He rides that bike home. Wow. R- walks it up to the garage, throws it in the garage, shuts the door. And I'm like, well, what, what's that? And he's like, well, that's it. Right. And you could see where the dude had scratched my ET sticker off. Mm-hmm. The net. And I was like, fuck, those are my parts. So my brother goes out, you know, a week later, whenever it was, you know, big badass, you know, he's he's a bigger dude and with his friends and they see that dude on his paper out or something with other parts of my bike. Oh man. So <laughs> that was like my frame and some other shit. And we had two BMX bikes of this dude's. <laughs> one I wanted because my frame was black mm-hmm. and one of the frames was chrome and it was I think a chrome mongoose frame, and I was like, okay, this one's good. Like, this yeah. one's fucking better. <laughs> Let me just take this one. And my dad's like, no, man, that's not right. Like, right. we don't, you know, this isn't what we're about. But my dad goes, you know, you had a chrome chain, and we don't have a chrome chain. So next thing you know, this dude's mom is driving. They pull into our driveway in a light blue station wagon with wood paneling on the side. Excellent. But, like, pretty throb, <laughs> you know? And right. I'm peeking out of these curtains like oh fuck man oh this dude is (laughs) on my property and i see he's got a brand new chrome chain in his hand so my dad makes him take both bikes apart and put my exact bike together and i have a brand new chrome chain wow and He's like, come look at your bike. And I'm like, no, I'm not fucking <laughs> going out there, you know? <laughs> you know, because when you're 12 or whatever, right. uh, fucking 
whatever that would be, I'm great at math, 16-year-old is, it's a man, and you're not going to fucking stare down some man. Right. And the dude stole my bike, you know, he's, I'm tripping. So <laughs> I go out, they leave, and I'm like, there's my bike. And then I was kind of like, well, where's the other parts? Like, we're take, we're keeping those, right? My dad's like, no, gave him his other shit back. So, yeah, that was, uh, there's a fucking rambling story from my childhood. <laughs> but that's pretty much, like, what it was, man. And then yeah. I found a skateboard, and the bike just got parked. You know, that was, once I found a skateboard, it was on. How old were you in, whenever you first uh, got into skating, when you first found the skateboard? I think I was, I think it was right around that time, like 10, 11, 12. It, mm -hmm. I found a banana board. Same story, man, my dad. Like, but someone kicks a banana board in front of the house, and I couldn't figure out why. Like a red banana board, mm -hmm. like the generic one, with urethane wheels. I'm not fucking 80, right. but was out there, <laughs> and... I go, hey, man, to my dad, like, you know, waiting for, I was always waiting for him to get home from work. Like, you know, right. it's my dad, you know, all mistakes aside, you're, you want your dad to be your hero. And my dad was, right. you know, I liked running too and all that. So he's like, yeah, it's not yours. And I was like, yeah, but it's, it's a sign from God, man. Right. It's fucking free skateboards <laughs> in front of the house. Right. And I've told this story too many times before, but it is my introduction to skateboarding, which people want to know i sat on the skateboard in front of the house for two full days hmm. hoping that whoever saw it would just see me sitting out there and my beautiful fucking bowl haircut <laughs> and not the skateboard <laughs> and avoid you know taking skateboard sure enough the skateboard's out there and what was wrong with it is the back kingpin and cracked uh. and it made it really loose in the back mm -hmm. and like turn really good so my first standing on a skateboard was doing these like wild figure eights kind of because mm -hmm. the back of the board was kind of snapped and the truck would just turn so easily. Hmm. So that was my first board, but that was like banana board. It's just another toy basically. Right. You know, I probably still would play with the fucking Tonka truck from time to time. Right. So <laughs> it was like, you know, that whole, you're just being a kid. Did you ever try and to skate the Tonka truck though? Fuck yeah. Oh, I mean, without a doubt, dude. Yeah. yeah. That's the we progression. Had a big, totally, totally. Yeah, we, we, had a, we had a cool backyard, man. It had a big wooden deck my uncle and my dad had built. And it had, like, two levels, so you could jump off the one level, like curb height. Mm -hmm. And it had a redwood tree back there that, you know, neighbor kids, I think multiple kids broke their arm on. It was <laughs> 60 feet tall. Wow. You know, you could get up near the top with the wind and it blow back and forth. My dad's a big, like, into, you know, climbing shit, too. But, you know, you have a hammock back there and you mm -hmm. can push the hammock all the way around and try to make your friend die. <laughs> My dad grew some weed in the backyard and, like, remember him telling me, like, don't ever tell anyone about these plants because though they'll never catch on fire, they're extremely flammable and we wouldn't ever want the fire department coming. <laughs> My brother and I, not, I mean, it was like when someone mentioned something and you're like, oh, yeah. We threw plywood on them like two weeks later and tried to make a half pipe out of two old couches and four pieces <laughs> of plywood and smashed his plants. And it was uh, funny because, like, I knew we fucked up, but he couldn't tell us why. Right. And he, 
those were valuable plants. Well, what's it just a plant? What's so valuable about it, you know? It but keeps time, me sane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, I mean, throwing rocks at cars and, you know, riding BMX bikes and, you know, we had a fat neighbor, like real heavy lady behind us. I mean, I think she's like 410 pounds. Like, Oof. we'd throw plums off her plum tree at her uh, sometimes, you know, like <laughs> cruel, a, a good balance of cruelty towards, you know, strange shit as yeah. a kid. And, uh, but, you know, the, the, the big, the big, like, step in my life was my mom and her living in San Francisco before she moved to Oakland, which mm-hmm. she did when we were like 14 or 15 or 13 around that time. And, and having that like exposure to something so non suburban or what other kids in my school were into, like there was the biker, there was like the biker kid at school or his dad was a biker, like mm-hmm. dropped off on a Harley. Mm-hmm. Um, that kid's a jeweler now. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, no, like a badass. <laughs> yeah. right. His name is Sterling Silver to tell you that. <laughs> so Sterling, if you're out there, he sent me pictures of his dad's sportsters once for the blog and they're like totally Bay area, Bay area. Amazing. Right. Um, that's right. You know, there's the fucking, nerd and there's the dish and whatever other box you want to put everyone into but i didn't know any other kid that like was kind of going through what i was going through with Mm -hmm. my mom becoming completely um drenched in san francisco life and and art art and punk rock and you know just like low dollar living but like what a great place to do it at the time, San Francisco in the eighties. Right. She took us to see black flag. She took us to see dead Kennedy's lots of the shows would get canceled, but like, you know, it was, you know, then we started, you know, pegging our black Levi's and you'd wear fucking peg black pants and, right. you know, a white t-shirt. And I like suspenders. I remember like red suspenders, light t-shirt, black peg pants. And we'd wear, Chuck Taylors, you know, or right. like weird shoes. I remember wearing, having like weird little like old man dress shoes at like 12 years old because, right. you know, uh, no man wants to be like, I was really into fashion as a kid. But like it was so different than suburbia that you were like, man, this is fucking cool. Like, and you can find this stuff at their store. And right. like, we got exposed to that kind of stuff really early. Um, so that was, that was that's what I think makes my childhood a little bit you you know different or more unique, maybe not as stagnant right. as some suburban kids. Because if you've ever noticed, suburbia outside of a big city is a weird place to be it because is. you're always battling the big city, and you get a lot of kids that like, hey man, I want to be Johnny Thunders or I want to be this iconic person from because I'm, you're kind of trying to outdo the city kids. Right. There, there's this weird thing, man, and that might not be explaining it quite right, but you're kind of safe in suburbia, especially now. You can be as fucking weird as you want to be. But in the 80s, you still were probably going to get your ass kicked at some point. Yeah, and but, you, were, you were kind of always behind, like, whatever. 
I hate, I hate trends, but whatever was really going on in the city, if you were out in suburbia, you were kind of always following, no matter what you did. You're one step ahead for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, I mean, did you say following? I, yeah, I meant to say following. Like, okay. whatever's, whatever's... No, 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 no. I, I thought, I'm, I'm kind of hip-hop, so I thought you said balling. Oh. But, <laughs> but no, you were following the city, but you were a... a you were if you could get to the city enough and you went back to the suburbs yeah you were one step ahead is what Absolutely. i meant even though right you might be following the city that being said man i think some of the, that creates some amazing people from yeah. the suburbs because yeah. they're maybe not as like you know living in a city in a big city can grind you down yeah and it can be a struggle and you know maybe your life isn't so good where you go back to you know, Walnut Creek or whatever, and you actually have access to, like, a Telecaster, and you can sit in your room without anyone, you know, yelling at you, or get the fuck out of the room, or get the fuck out of the house, and play your fucking guitar for eight hours at a time. Right. So, you know, I don't, I don't hate, I'm not, like, you know, having that contrast of city and suburbs was, like, kind of, it, it was humiliating at times and like it made you really be like man i hate the fucking jocks at my school in the suburbs like so fucking much mm-hmm. but man those this part of the city is so scary too and you know it was uh both places were a nice escape at depending on what mood i was in or what i needed to be doing right and that makes sense i mean and i don't think anybody would think this that you're that you're downing on you know suburban kids or city kids or whatever or i think all you're doing is just really contrasting that you know the the life that you were kind of moved into which you were versus like where you learned to kind of survive and and those places where you really felt comfortable would that be an accurate description yeah 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 i i I think you're right man i mean um yeah it's i i have a it it is a bummer to me like track tones i are a bummer, you mm-hmm. know, and it is a, but it, it, it's just a bummer because it's like people used to build fucking rad little houses right. that would probably last so long. Right. But then everyone is trying to keep up with the Joneses and the Joneses kind of homogenized everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have the problem with. And, and that's what I saw kind of that, town of walnut creek turn into was like bulldozing the raddest old houses so that they could put six more houses on that block right that all looked the fucking same yep and that you know that those kids at school like you could almost see it in their eyes you know mm-hmm. like oh uh, and that's not always the case you know i told you i, I believe in stereotypes and they're there for a reason right um <laughs> as wrong as they can be but, uh, but yeah, man, that, that was, that started to happen more. And like I said, I go to that town now and I've, I've completely, I completely get lost or I get like the old man. I'm like, I'm, I'm parking on top of the, the old pizza parlor right now. And you know, it's a, it's a zoomies or yeah. whatever terrible fucking place that feeds you culture. Right. I think that's normal though. Like, you know, um, I mean, me. I'm going to turn 40 in December 
And I'm right. uh, there's places that I go around because I grew up in Costa Mesa, like Costa Mesa, right. Newport Beach. And like while I went to the schools there, and I you know rode just about every street that you could possibly imagine. Me and a couple other friends, um, we rode and skated almost every street in Costa Mesa. Played in the back bay, like went to the beach, did all this gnarly stuff when we were kids. Um, I look I, I look around at at where the city is now because to me that's kind of the city, right? It's not really right. the suburbs, even though Orange County is just a huge suburb of L.A. But I look around and I'm like, wow, you know, that elementary school where I met, you know, one of my best friends or at least the the friend that I still keep in contact with, you know, now it's like some weird little daycare thing. And then there's you know this area we used to build jumps in and it all got mowed and, you know, they built tract homes or condos or whatever. I think it's just normal. Like it, I mean, yeah, it is kind of old manny, but like there's a reason why it's an old man thing because you're older and you go there and you go. Wow, like man, it, it used to be so much different. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I mean, I think I think some people don't even think about it. You know, it's right. just it's, it's just life. And and but I do, man. I'm I'm the dude that like I'll cruise out to my dad's house and I'll be on my motorcycle and I know for some odd reason I'm early, and uh, I'll go like, oh man, I'm gonna cut through the old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And like I remember doing it not so long ago, a couple months ago, and I was like, I want to go to this little street where I got my first speed wobbles on a skateboard, <laughs> and totally aimed for a bush, yeah. and ate complete shit. But I, <laughs> the street was really rough, and it was a hill. You know, in my mind, I was like, that was a gnarly hill. Right. And I looked at it, and I was like, on my bike, you know. So you know, you know about speed and movement, and I was like, right how the fuck did I get speed wobbles on this? This is so <laughs> embarrassing. And I would have like, hey man, like turn the car here, bro, and let's look at the first hill I ever bombed. Right. And it was like this lame, it looked like a lame <laughs> driveway. And I, but somehow it happened because my, I was, you know, so young and my ankles were as big as toothpicks. But And the world was know, huge. And the world was huge. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's just the facts of it. And, and, but yeah, I do that kind of stuff all the time. Like this, this happened here. This is the first place I did this or did that. And yeah, I'm I'm just a sucker for that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, let's first of all, it gives me a really and and everybody listening, obviously, a really accurate picture of I I mean, as accurate as you can be, as candid as you as you wanted to be, of what it was like growing up as Max Schaff. I mean, there's right. It, I'm sure everybody has like really similar stories, you know, but. Um, it's, it's interesting when you see someone's work and, you know, sometimes I trip over myself trying to articulate things. So bear with me. I'll I'll get there. Of course. Of course. (laughs) It makes sense now in like the videos that I've seen, um, of the work that you produce, like there's, there's so much, it seems like there's so much thought and effort that goes into it. And I'm not saying that other people don't think and plan and, and all that, but there's this very artistic and thoughtful um, process that it seems like you go through when you create, whether it's paint or whether it's putting together an entire bike. Um, and I can kind of see where some of that comes from, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and it, you I know, know, it's really awesome I, to see that. Well, I think, you know, I, you know, people say less is more mm-hmm. and, 
that makes complete sense to me. And then I think that whole part of my mom, like I was just saying this to my girlfriend and their, her friends, she's in the room, so I'm a little self-conscious, but you know, <laughs> she would, she would dumpster dive for material because she had these looms and she would make these weavings. Mm-hmm. She wanted to be an artist and she had two kids. She lived in San Francisco. You know, she started working as a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Um, then she worked at like a deli. You know, then she worked as a bartender. And she started working as a bartender. You know, she was personable and made tips. And it was a lot easier than trying to sell a piece of strange artwork. Right. So, you know, my mom had to have like the coolest copper wire and like purple fishing line and weird pieces of mylar. And be weaving them together. And, you you know, as a kid, like, mylar and stuff like that, you're like, man, that's, those are jewels. Like, where did you get it? Right. Well, I dove in the dumpster behind, you know, tap plastics for it. Or I dove in the dumpster behind this fabric store. And they were getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the 80s, fucking Cadillac, excess, you know, burn gas. Right. Cocaine, Corvettes, like, People, it was, the world was drastically changing. So, like, stuff from the 50s and 60s and early 70s was just being thrown away. Right. And it's like, you know, you know, in with the new. So there, she would go out, you know, searching for this stuff, and people knew what she was doing, so they'd bring it to her, like, oh, I've got a bucket full of, like, these old, you know, plastic rods or whatever. So she started drilling holes in that stuff and working them into her weavings and, you know, I saw her create these really beautiful things. Mm-hmm. For free, it was just time. And mm-hmm. at the time, she dated this um, really well-known stained glass artist that would make, you know, huge pieces that, like, Levi's paid him to do stuff. And mm-hmm. um, he he's an Italian dude, and his kid was my age. And, you know, he's one of my buddies that I played with growing up. But, like, I saw this man making, like, you know, 20 foot by 30 foot stained glass pieces Wow! because my mom lived in this um it's the old hams brewery in san francisco a giant building where punkers squatted in a huge part of it the vats where they kept the beer mm-hmm. but next door they rented it to artists for like i swear it i think it was like six thousand square feet for eight hundred dollars or it might have been six hundred dollars like whatever Jeez. that is so we had a huge space, mm-hmm. always. Like, once she got out of her little places, she was like, fuck, I've heard about this different way of living. Like, you know, there's a urinal in our house right. and <laughs> a weird plastic shower, but this is you, this is okay with you guys, right? It's like, fuck, yeah, this is where we come on weekends, and this is fun, you know? That's so awesome. seeing my mom live that kind of lifestyle, I think it made me really sensitive to that whole less is more thing. Mm -hmm. And people, you know, that if given the opportunity, they'll listen to me talk right now. They'll usually (laughs) take, do a little too much. So, um, that, you know, I think I'm okay. This is another manly phrase, but I think I'm a pretty sensitive person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to what people say, to what I think, you know, like, to, to to the way things look. Like, I'm the fucking dork that, like, 
see some weird old mustard color wall and some, you know, blue paint chipping off underneath it. And I'm like, wow, you know, look at that wall. You know, like I've always been that dude, you know, when I'm going to have someone take photos of the bike, I'm always like, you know, oh man, I passed this fucking place the other day. Like, you know, I'm, I'm space kid. I like looking at stuff. So with the bike, it's always been, I've always tried to, you know, I like the 60s style. And, right. I'm, you know, I always hear people like, hey, man, I just like, my friend said to me, I like all motorcycles. And I'm hmm. like, I don't, <laughs> you know, I I, yeah. I really don't, you know, like, I don't really, I think cafe bikes look cool going down the road or, you know, I rode a GSXR once, grabbed the front brake, smashed my balls and I was <laughs> on the tank and I was like, Cool, man, that thing feels fast. My dad had a Honda Hawk, like a Super Hawk, grown up, mm-hmm. went 140 miles on, an hour on it, and was like, well, that's what that feels like, cool. Right. You know? Right. Had the lawnmower engine, I forgot that whole phase as a kid, but the lawnmower engine mini bikes. Oh, yeah. You know? They're, those blew my mind. You know, I've spent about $100 on Masterlinks as a kid, breaking chains from, like, jack dramming that thing around corners, but... That feeling was only reproduced, and I had a CR80, like the worst one, with two shocks and a metal gas tank when every <laughs> kid had a plastic gas tank. Right. But I bought it, and it was mine. But, like, funkier bikes always appealed to me more. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just, I'll always like, like how a 47 through 53 Chevy pickup looks. They mm-hmm. look so neat. Mm-hmm. And I'll always like how a chopper, like, panhead or what you know what not even going to do the motor game but like right. <laughs> how that kind of bike looks right and they are and and you know that's the thing with like bike shows and everything getting like fabricated crazier and everyone becoming more talented and all that it's i fear it a little bit because not because of the competition or anything but it's like man i hope i hope there's there's that dude Droopy right down by you. He rides the knucklehead. I I've uh, heard of him, but I don't know him personally. But you know, like there there's just those old dudes that are like I think like man, that's that's always like just a neat old chopper. It's just so simple, right? And just so simple is so fucking cool sometimes, man. And and I I think at a pretty young age I realized that like you. We remember when you could order your own vans and design them. Like I want checkerboards mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. and that. I want they rad on the side. I remember ordering a pair and I went like butt nuts, dude. Like I want rad on the side. I want checkerboards, aqua blue, pink. Honey. You know, like and I got them <laughs> and I was just like, whoa, whoa! I want navy blue ones. Yeah, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, or Hawaiian. Right. You know, I wanted the Hawaiian ones so right. bad, but. You know, there was just those times where, like, you cook it as a kid, and you're like, fuck, man, like, that's just too much. I think and, that's that's just part of being a kid, though, too, right? I mean, it, I mean, yes. to, to add on to what you're saying, <clears throat> it's like, as we grow up, we do the kookiest crap to where we just look back. I mean, I'm that kid standing in, like, you know, uh, OP Pro, or I don't even know if it was Pro, but it was OP, like, cord shorts, doll, little oh, dolphin yeah. shorts with, like the colored, you know, football socks, athletic socks and, uh, and some type of little, you know, OP shirt or whatever. And it wasn't brand new. Like I think my mom got them at like thrift stores or something. I don't know, but 
we all we all went through and did those kind of dorky things and um with the interesting thing is with to relate this back to you and the way that you see things like when you said i'm just kind of a nerd like that like i space out at like walls and stuff some right. some might say that i would think that to me that seems to be characteristic of someone who's able to actually slow down enough to see the wall like most people just right. they just breeze on by it and they'll never see right. it right whereas right. whereas like you are able to see it and you see the beauty and the simplicity um, and I'm not just stroking you. Like this is just just what I see. Um, well, I'm na- I'm laying here butt naked, dude. So you just keep <laughs> you keep blowing me up, man. <laughs> I'm just getting you ready. I mean, your girlfriend's there. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe if I lived a little closer, I could come on. You know, yeah, hey, hey. That's, that's that's a different conversation. But anyway, yeah. Um, but that is it. Does lead me to the next question because we talked about kind of what you like as far as bikes i mean we really didn't go in depth but um what really kind of turned the corner for you to say i I shouldn't say turn the corner but what made you look at motorcycles and and think i want to build these i want to work on these i want to create you know this will be the art that i create and it'll be fully functional and rideable like at what age did that happen and kind of where were you when that happened i was lost man i was uh mid 20s kind of you know not bored with skateboarding at all i mean i'd love skateboarding so Mm -hmm. much but you know i was had a ramp that i built in my house was skating it seven days a week for hours on end and i was helping raise these two kids in oakland that were my neighbors and that was kind of getting brutal like just so much time and i needed an escape Mm -hmm. and i rode a friend's panhead chopper and it caught on fire and it didn't, it started. It ended up starting later in the night. I rode it home and I was trying to like, you know, I had my 54 Chevy pickup at the time that I still have. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a 38 Chevy pickup I was trying to build and totally blowing it. Just kind of like it taking up too much space and overthinking everything and, and uh, I've said this before, but, like, I think things that you're passionate about kind of find you first. Mm-hmm. And they give you the opportunity to have enough insight to follow them. And if you don't, you know, I have a harmonica. I keep hoping it's going to talk to me and let me be able to play it well, but it never does. And I hate that little fucking device for that reason. Right. But you know the ch- you know next thing you know, there's a dude selling a generator shovel motor on the front lawn, hmm. ten blocks from me in Oakland. And the next day he's got a frame, hmm. and you know a couple, and he's a mean old biker, total tweaker. Hmm. But it was like he would watch me dig through the parts and. Man, I just think something looks cool, like some weird shape nut that some machinist made at the top of a springer. And mm-hmm. I'd pick it, you know, two of them up, and you'd be like, do you even know what those are? And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> are they for the front wheel? And he's like, close. You know, and it was like, right. it would be so humiliating right now if I had to watch the shit that I was, like, making piles out of, out right. of his milk crates. Like, right. It would be so fucking embarrassing. But my dad's not a biker. He likes to ride motorcycles. 
you know, mm-hmm. my uncle isn't fucking either this or that. It, that, that shit found me, mm-hmm. and I started buying these parts, and it took me two years to build my first, it was a generator shovel chopper, and in a wishbone, or in a straight leg frame, mm-hmm. and uh, I had one other frame before that, and figured, you know, I thought it was bit and this shit, you know, I was overthinking everything still, Right. but at one point, I kind of pumped the brakes, and I kind of just tried to put stuff together, and I started asking different people questions, you know, driving out to Oakland Custom, the motorcycle shop out here that was like the club shop, and, mm-hmm. you know, scaring myself a little bit, humbling myself, and and just kind of trying to figure it out. And that's how it all began, you know, that was like... 14 years ago or 15 years ago. Hmm. I am a man and I am a boy and I have loved a motorcycle, a mini bike to be exact since the first time I ever saw one. Hmm. And you know, it would like, it would keep me up at night. I'd buy, I bought one when I was 12 mm-hmm. and I, you know, it's the CR 80 and I had to write my dad and I begged him to find it. He thinks he has it, but he can't find it. A letter of why I deserved to buy myself a motorcycle because hmm. he wasn't going to buy it. But like, you know, having that stuff, having that lawnmower engine mini bike that always broke down. I mean, when you ride a chopper and it looks like they do like a real one, like a real fucking old style one. Yeah. And it doesn't rattle apart and it makes it like a hundred miles. It's mind boggling, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, Dude, I've ridden, I rode next to some in Brazil this weekend, and I was like, you know, these dudes have never got these things out of Sao Paulo because it's so difficult, and I can't believe that one didn't rattle apart. One of them is one that I built for the dude, that, that burgundy <laughs> knucklehead. You know, yeah, like, yeah. the thing goes 100 miles an hour for some reason. It's stroke, awesome. but, like, why doesn't it, why isn't it that old tractor grenading right now? Yeah. And that's how... <laughs> That's how it all began, you know, and I uh, I was exposed to some pretty righteous vehicles, mm-hmm. uh, choppers, and I, I I don't, it's like a first love, mm-hmm. you know, like, you, you'll, I, I just don't get into the other stuff, and I, I have an FXRT that's like bone stock looking, you know, it's like a Thunderheader, like, real simple you know it's not like a club bike or anything but like i don't you know these dudes that are getting these club bikes and that whole trend like maybe that's just the first thing they saw that really jumped at them sure and they're like fuck yeah i'm gonna beat on these all day and it's it's their mini bike it is their mini bike yeah you know and 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 i get that like you can i can do a wheelie on my fxrt and then go ride it 3,000 miles, and most likely nothing's going to go wrong. Right. You know, I've also also ridden my 38 knucklehead that far, and basically we got a front flat, or a rear flat tire, you know? And that's that's something you'd get anyway. Like, I mean, if you you were riding 2,000, 3,000 miles or something, you'd get a flat tire eventually anyway. No, and I watched my friend Dylan have nothing go wrong. Yeah. You know? And that's where... I'm a hippie and spirit comes into it. And like, I think like karma a little bit. And then like, if you deserve that machine, I've watched certain people have bikes that they like can't start, never go right, have a million problems. And 
in the end, sometimes I'm just like, man, like maybe it's just not supposed to be like right. they're, you know, they're supposed to have a Rav Four, you know, <laughs> like it's the, it, the machine. It, it, I, it's telling them you don't need me, you don't deserve me. Yeah, <laughs> this ain't right. Yeah. You know, I I I used to have a CV three fifty. You mm-hmm. know, like when I was seventeen or eighteen, nineteen. You know, mm-hmm. that that thing was perfect, man. Like I I am not a chopper snob. You know, yeah. like I will go on a ride with the GSXR and the CB three fifty. I don't care. You right. know, it's not like that. It, and that's the weird thing. Like it, it's just what I like. And and there's so much shit talking and so much judging and so much of this and so much of that. And it's like, would you really be judging and talking so much shit if you were really connected? to this scene and to like the the bikes mm. and that the things that you love and you rode them and you got enjoyment out of it. I don't think so. Like, I don't think, I don't think people do that when they're really happy with something they found. Yeah. I would and, agree. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. You know, you, 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 you more preach about, you know, this dude's a fucking fake and phone. This is bullshit. And that's bullshit. When you're insecure about your passion. Exactly. I've had to defend mine a lot because of those people mm-hmm. and, it, and it, it hurts and it, and it becomes something like you're kind of then like paranoid about, but, uh, it, that's, yeah, that, let's not get off the subject. Well, but no, yeah, that, that's how it all came about. <laughs> no, it actually, in that you're bringing up a good point. Actually, I wanted to ask that question because of, of all the people that I've interviewed, um, you know, I think I did ask Caleb, uh, from Crow Customs. I asked, uh, Caleb this question you know, what are your thoughts on, on people coming in and, and people leaving and people maybe detracting from the love, the genuine love of motorcycles and machines and getting together and sharing that? Um, I'm, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on it and where it may be in the next 10 years. About how many people are getting into it? Well, just kind of the, I, I guess if I had to use um, one phrase to describe it is kind of what's your, what is your thoughts on the current temperature of that of the culture like you know it's it's expanded i mean you said it yourself in the beginning or i think we were recording i'm not sure but when we're talking about born free i mean it went from like you know born free born two or born free one and two were like backyard barbecue everybody gets together right and then three four i went to four and i went to five and then now this year two days because everybody's been asking for two days right it's not really backyard anymore and it's it's huge and and that's a direct reflection of the amount of people who are really into or now are into this culture. Right. So kind of what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's strange, man, because I, I have, you know, I think I have this blog that exposed a lot of people to choppers mm-hmm. and I'm a five foot nine 165 pound dude that skateboarded and is a sensitive Pisces and I got really into like these fucking tough looking bikes and started building them and preached to the world like hey I fucking love this if it was a poet if it was poetry or chainsaws or fishing poles that connected with me that much I would have done the same thing right but it wasn't 
it wasn't like, hey, little chopper, look at me. It was like, holy shit, I found these things and they are so rad. Please look at how rad they are. Maybe you think they're they're rad too. Mm-hmm. And with that blog, you know, there was, you know, a lot of funny shit I'd find in old magazines and book reviews and, you know, it was it's kind of all over the place, you know, stuff about my family and this and that. Like, hey, here's here's me. Check it out. But like, I'm really into fucking choppers. And and yes, I was, and am a professional skateboarder too. Whatever that means. Right. Right. So. That being said, you know, a lot of emails started happening. Hey, I want to build my first bike. Yeah. And in the beginning, it was like, yeah, I got a Triumph. Get a this, you know. And somebody's like, okay, get an 80 shovel head or get an SR500 or mm-hmm. get an XS650 or get a fucking many people. I told get a Honda CB350. Right. But I noticed it happening. I watched it happen. I watched people that came up to me at Born Free One and, you know, then they had a panhead by Born Free 3. Hmm. You know, it's like, wow. And, you know, dude looked way different. Who cares? Whatever that dude <laughs> right. needs to do right. to ride his bike, cool. Like, you know, and I've said it till a bunch of times, you know. We kind of, you, you geek it when you're a kid. You Sometimes you geek it as an adult. You know, you go a little too far, and then you kind of find your happy spot. Sure. Or you just get embarrassed. You're like, man, everyone's got fucking a striped t-shirt or whatever the hell it is. And you're like, uh, I'm just put my white t-shirt back on. But so I've, I've watched it grow and, and without ego, I say, I feel that I expose a lot of people to it. Cool. And I take a lot of pride in part of that. And in some of it, I'm a little let down with how it's gotten. You know, I've been, I can, I never, I've been offered the Harley Davidson commercial multiple times Mm -hmm. and I've, I've never taken it. And that's a lot of money to me in my life. And Hey man, you don't sell enough fucking t-shirts. Well, I know I don't. And Hey man, some asshole selling your t-shirt for $50 on eBay, man, I'm fucking sorry. Well, you're a dick. Okay, I'm a dick. But <laughs> because this, some dude's it, selling my T-shirt, I'm an asshole. Right, Great. and okay. I, you know, it. And people have pointed out, you know, multiple things like that to me. And you know, I'm not. I'm so glad there's like a chop cult, or a, you know, uh, there was the Jockey Journal, and I probably still exists. But like, mm-hmm. I used to look at that stuff, but it it ended up doing more harm than good to me because when I started making bikes, that shit wasn't there right and i think that was such a creative time in my life and i wasn't comparing myself to all these people and if i look at that stuff i start to do that right and it kind of takes the your a little bit of originality and like a little bit of purity out of it you know when sunny barger's book first came out Mm -hmm. the first one i was just like what the fuck at some of those bikes like right yeah man like one you know that that's all that I really needed, like, you know, little things. And like I said, you know, there was people around me that just had some cool stuff early on that, that I dug. So where it's all gotten, like, the competitive and the shit talking and all that is a bummer. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, like, I met this dude in New York. I met two people in New York that really tripped me out in a really good way at the Brooklyn show. Mm-hmm. And... um uh, 
one of them was this dude Dan, and he's like you know two pan Dan on the interweb. And okay, yeah. He's a big motherfucker, and he looked kind of scary to me. And he's with his lady, and <laughs> he comes up and he's like, "Hey, you know, bro, I'm," and I'm like, "Okay, fuck, like." Did I sell this dude a fake bait seat or something? <laughs> like, you know, which I've never done. But, you know, just to give you a, oh, you know, right. did I say I'd pay in his tank? And then he told me it was for his, like, you know, Virago. And I said, no, I don't paint Virago tanks or whatever. And <laughs> I start to talk to this dude. And I ended up talking to him for, like, two hours. And we're laughing. And, you know, we connected. I mean, but if yeah. you saw me and him walking down the street together, you know, I might look like a fucking hippie and he might look like a gangster or whatever people <laughs> thought, you know, like right. it just was, it was like the fucking coolest surprise, man. That's rad. And, um, he wrote me a letter the other day, like not a love letter, but, uh, that's okay if he did, but, uh, <laughs> but then his like his penmanship and like the time that he took to write it and it's what he likes to do he like he, he likes that old-fashioned correspondence right and he hadn't done it for a while and he's like hey man i just thought i'd you know wouldn't be wasted on you hmm. it, it that's it's become shit like that that's made it all worthwhile meeting tom fugel you know that right. was right life-changing for me because you know it's um one of one of the one of the people that I was really close to in the chop thing mm-hmm. got out of it for a while and uh, was like, you know, I'm over it. It's like a who's cooler than cool contest. Mm-hmm. And who's the fucking cool, who's the coolest dude? And yep. it's just a fucking chopper, you know? And I was like, well, it really hurt me, you know? I was like, fuck, yeah. really? Like, cause to me, they are so cool. And I had to think about it and I was like, well, you know what? Tom Fugel is really into choppers and he's really fucking creative mm-hmm. and it's ride choppers or fuck off. Yep. It's his slogan. And you know what, man, like I don't care how old your bike is or how fast your bike is or how this or that, whatever, you know, whatever you're trying to avoid by like, I'm not falling for the who's cool and cool chopper thing. Right. Tom's the coolest dude I know. So I'll never be as cool as him. So there's no competition. (laughs) So why are you trying to compete with the chopper world? You know what I mean? Like, why fight it? Choppers are so fucking cool. They're so simple. They're so stripped down. They're fun. There is the old men you get to meet or the fucking, like, 18-year-old kid that's like, dude, I just built this cone shovel, and I can't fucking start it. But when I bump it down a hill and I get it going, like, I am so so pumped, like, please help me start it, you know, yeah, or please yeah. help me do this or that. Like, it that's unbeatable to me. And that's what I think so many people are missing now is, like, that first mini bike feeling yeah. or that. And it, and it's that's so, going back to it all, I think it's, I'm a little scared that it's gotten so big that a lot of it's going to get lost. Mm-hmm. But I was a vertical skateboarder. I skated ramps in the heyday of street skating and everyone was like oh man poor max you know he's a vert skater <laughs> like they just aren't as cool right <laughs> but anyone eric costin or whoever was you know whoever is guy mariano like man they had nothing but respect for me because they've skated vert they know how fucking fun it is right 
they just it's it's a lot of people don't have access to a vert ramp. Mm-hmm. Street skating was new, you know, but like they were never like, oh, doing a fucking eight foot backside ollie across a vert ramp. That's gay. Right. They were like, that's fucking rad. I wish I could do it, but like I'm so wrapped up in, you know, switch 360 flips down fucking nine stairs. Right. Which I love to see too. But like vertical skateboarding grabbed me. Choppers grabbed me. Mm-hmm. That, what my point was, I had no fucking problem being a vert skater because I knew in my heart it was like what I was, one of the things I was born to do. Sure. And you can all, you know, be everyone can all be over choppers next year. It's fucking out of fashion. Turns out, you know, uh, you know, ATVs or yo-yos or whatever is back in style. <laughs> right. And uh, maybe, you know, raving or something is way, it's way less effort. Right. And I'll still have a chopper and I'll still figure out a way to pull it. And that's just it. So... It doesn't really matter. I mean, look, hot chicks go to Born Free now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, they they weren't at Born Free one. Right. Um, <laughs> hot chicks didn't use to bone skateboarders. Right. They do now. <laughs> um, everything ends up becoming cool. Yeah. And um, that's why when people were, like, talking shit to me in the beginning, like, I'd get beef from people, like, oh, this skateboarder fucking dick builds, oh, like, yeah, cool panhead, bro. I was like, okay, sorry. Like, sorry I'm trying to have a good time. Sorry I'm trying to learn how to weld better or fabricate better or find parts in old men's backyards and just, like, meet these dudes that no one's cared about for fucking 40 years. Right, I think about that with Tom. I'm like, man, what a trip. This dude was invisible to most people for so long. Yep. Continuing to do his deal have his club, live his life. You know, people sometimes will say like, oh man, you just, you know, you you get the magazine cover, you want the attention. Okay, wait, you just Instagrammed every piece of coverage you've had in the last two years and I've done two of the things. Like, I'm really, (laughs) I'm pretty fucking mellow about that stuff. You know, like, I'm really self-conscious about like, hey man, stop blowing yourself up. Um, you but know, like then I'll see I'll see the dude that talks shit. Mm-hmm. Hey man, here's my fucking interview. Here's this. Here's that. I've got this for sale. I've got that for sale. Bye 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 bye. Check me out. I'm like, wait, asshole. You know, you're the one that was just being so critical of me. Right. But you know, Where, where's your like, where's your chopper, bro? <laughs> That's what I would chopper, ask. Bro? Yeah, I would ask him like, here's all the stuff to buy. Where's your bike? Yeah, where's your biker? Hey, how was that? Uh, how was that ride? The fucking box big boy last night. Right. Was that epic? You know, like oh, you've man. documented your last three rides, the deli or down to your, you know, like right. you just got your first chopper, really running, but you've had a shop for eight years. Like, cool. You know, those are the dudes, but those are always the dudes. That's what I'm saying. Is like, yeah. there's people that just don't get it, and they're the ones that are going to give you the most beef and fuck him there's dudes like that guy denver dan i don't know if you know who he is but like he had some i remember seeing a picture of his garage you know 10 years ago and being Mm -hmm. like whoa what what the fuck like that he was on this rigid evo that he had and it Mm -hmm. 
it blew my mind, man. I just was like, man, that dude's rad. You know, like, I didn't know him. Fuck, he has cool hair. He's got an absolute ribbon neon sign, and there's shit everywhere. And, <laughs> that, you know, there's certain things. When yeah. you see, like, some might be like, oh, man, that's that guy needs to clean his garage, or what are you, who knows, <laughs> whatever the fuck they're thinking. Right. Uh, but I was just remember being like blown away by stuff like that. I was, I was easily excited by like just someone doing something that I was getting into that like was already kind of ruling at it. Yeah. Um, and you know that that dude probably does didn't know that. Like he might have been the dude that was like, "Who's the skateboarder kid?" You know. But sure. You know, then I get to meet him later in life and fucking shake his hand and drink a beer with him. But they're, uh, it's gotten pretty wild, man. And, um, I'm a little bit curious to see where it all goes, but mm. you know, it's, I guess it's too easy to say it doesn't really matter because it does, but you know, as the dude that like has turned down the Harley commercial and, you know, some of the cornball shit to like keep it pure, what I think, you know, right. I've watched friends. Man, you know, speaking of Born Free, I've watched people talk so much shit about Born Free. And I, you know, I've supported Born Free for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're builders in the show now. Yep. And and that, you know, that that's hard to see. Because I'm like, man, fuck you. You are the <laughs> dude that's like, oh, yeah, Born Free is fucking cool guy contest or whatever in like during the second one. Right. You're like, no, 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 man. It's just a deadline to build a bike and to kind of push yourself and go see a bunch of other cool stuff. Right. You know, that's how it began. It, 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 it might be, it might be changing. It might be, you know, I had a little problem there last year with just not getting there on time. Right. You know, I, I, I really dig Mike Davis. I met him on a motorcycle he was on this funky triumph chopper with john edwards and we went to the sinner's party and i was like look at this tall goofy bastard on this little triumph you know <laughs> and that's how i met him with a yeah. smile on his face blasting down the 405 or you know one of those freeways and i was like man and then you know the next day we went on a ride with him and he's on his little pre-unit and i was like that looks so weird you know but that bike <laughs> is so insane yeah yeah and that's that will always be like who Mike is to me. Um, but you know, you, you, you watch it all go down and, uh, it's getting pretty obscure, man. I, I mean, I told you earlier, like the word sell out is, it's too easy. It happens too easy for people. People have to pay their bills and people work hard at stuff and, you know, it's okay to, to do the commercial or whatever, you know, make your money. But like for me, I've, try to keep my thing pretty pure and what you lay in your coffin at the end of your life and you're like i'm glad i didn't do that or i'm glad i did this you know i did it my way right the the song right but yeah. uh <laughs> it's uh i'm a little bit you know kind of skeptical skeptical about how it's all going and what i kind of think people are starting to forget are there i don't mean 1960 i mean 2000 2001 2002 2003 there were certain people that really put it out there and helped promote it Mm -hmm. and it's the reason 
the 26 year old kid that's the first invited it's the first time he's going to born free this year mm-hmm. even has a chop and is able to survive don't you know don't forget about the people that like put themselves out there and took a lot of shit for it right i was going to i think yeah sorry i was going to just mention on on the tail end of that that i think maybe that's what you know if if there's any message <clears throat> that maybe needs to be put out now it's i mean if i i say that if it needs to be put out but if there's any message that's conveyed now it's like don't don't forget you know the passion um that first brought you here and whether that passion right. was just oh i want to go see some motorcycles cool then let it be that oh i want to get a For motorcycle sure. cool let it be that but yeah. the passion never was and hopefully never will be like i want to be the coolest kid on the block because right out of every sport that's out there i mean i don't think anybody ever gets into you know marathon running because they want to be like the guy that everyone talks about. I don't know. I'm not a marathon right, runner, but right. they probably get in yeah. it just to push themselves and because they love running. Same thing with yeah. like, you know, for me, I mean, my, I'll have to show you on FaceTime or whatever. My garage is a freaking mess, but there's right. like inspiration directly behind me in a way that I can't even articulate into words because every time I look at them, I go, man, someday I'm going to kick those things over and I'm going to be so right. freaking stoked. Like that's right. the that's the return to not only passion but also maybe that craftsmanship that is going kind of to the wayside of um, totally you know forgetting about those old guys. Yeah, man. I I you know there's there's people like Jason Weber who I brought up earlier that mm-hmm. like that dude is I met him and he was like that dude Brandon I, who I knew and told him where I lived. He was up here doing like an electrical job and mm-hmm. you know he's skateboarding across the street from my house. I meet him, you know, and from that day on, it was just, it just clicked. And, you know, in a sense, if he wanted to be a bigger bike builder than he is physically, he couldn't get much bigger. He's a giant, but (laughs) if he was, if he wanted to be bigger, he could be. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of just happy where he's at, but he could also look at me as competition. Sure. And he never once has, and he's, there's never been anything but a mutual respect. Yeah. And and that's how it should be to me. Right. And you thank the people that helped you out and got you inspired. And, you know, the Rodney Mullen was like the most technical skateboarder, right? Mm-hmm. Do I identify with him? Not at all. Could I ever do what he did on a skateboard? No fucking way. You know, Lance Mountain, um, Chris Miller, Mark Gonzalez, those are my heroes. They are not tech. They rarely would any of those dudes win a contest. Very rarely. You always rooted for them. All you really wanted to see them was sun skate. I don't care if they got 40th place or third place. (laughs) Right. Just fucking skate. Right. And so that's the whole thing, man. Like, I knew at going into every born free, I thought maybe like my burgundy or maybe the black pan head would be, do better. Maybe get best pan head, you know? Yeah. But, ah, man, it, same thing in skateboarding. Like, I think it just, you know, stuff just, it's not what it was about. And maybe I don't 
you know, make enough phone calls every day to the chopper community. But like, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, you, you pushed yourself, you built something cool and it's not a competition. But my, like I was saying about those skateboarders, they're not the best competitors or whatever that word would be right. competitor. And, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> your girlfriend's uh, laughing you know, at you, huh? She is completely. <laughs> they're not the best competitors, but, um, but they're, they, they connected. So right. I would rather connect with five people that like really kind of got what I, they, you know, I think I get what that dude's going for with that bike. Right. Then like, you know, the judges or, you know, whoever, the other bike builders, you know, for me, and this sounds so lame, but like, I'm so lucky. Like a lot of people look at my stuff and like, dig what I do, mm-hmm. but I know that it affects the way other bike builders look at me. Like, not going to say it's like overcritical or a little bit jealous. Like, well, what the fuck's he, what did he do? Like that bike's not better than mine. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's not technically, but I've also had this blog forever and I've also tried to like really connect with people and I've, I've worked really hard to like, make my thing a certain way and i think that connected with a lot of people and mm-hmm. that's why they want to be like what the fuck on instagram he's got this one okay post a piece of shit and see how many likes it gets you know like <laughs> there's just that weird like jealousy and hatred and you're like hey dude maybe if you were just yourself and yeah. stop thinking about what i was doing all the time everything would work out a little bit better for you or go play golf yep not much changes from the schoolyard when we were kids to when we grow up, right? We hope that it's, it does. It's shocking, dude. It's shocking. We hope you that know, it does. It's, yeah. Yeah. It, and, and that's, you know, going back to someone like Tom, you know, it's like, man, I love that dude so much. And he cracks me up when I talk to him and he inspires me. Mm-hmm. And is he competition to me in the chopper world? No way. Fuck no. Inspiration. You know, he's, he is complete inspiration, and he is, you know, I, that's it, man. I, I, I just look at that dude, and I'm like, fuck yeah. The same way I, I look at someone like Lance Mountain. Like, I've seen that dude, Lance Mountain, go through, like, a really hard time skateboarding, mm-hmm. have a company that was failing, work so hard, and still, you know, still skate. Right. And, and you know, I'm so sick of, you know, that's the one thing I, I heard Jesse James was invited to Born Free, and people are upset and people are stoked and people are this and it's like well that dude did kind of say like talk some shit about it you know like right. it was the state borders bike show and we just assemble an old reassemble an old bike you know <laughs> well tom bugles reassembled some pretty bitching old bikes in his time right that are, are legendary and he didn't you know at the time it was far out but a lot of people were doing far out stuff I... but like Sorry, he did it with I, soul. No, he did it with soul and style. And right. that soul and style lasts forever. And like I said about this dude, Dan, in New York, and mm-hmm. this other kid, Adam, man, boy, wolf, you know, like, man, I met that kid, and I was like, man, I wish I was as young as you and into this stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's just, it's those moments that make it all worth it. And, you know, you do care what people think of your bike. You you sure. do put so much time into it. And 
and it matters most what your friends think. Like, I'm the kook that's checked my Instagram, gone through all the likes to see if, like, my buddies liked it. Mm. You know, I did my buddy like it. Like, what? That's so corny. But, like, you care. Like, you put so much work into it. You, like, you want to know, you know? And it, it, it doesn't matter. But, you know, Tom Fugles on Instagram, what the fuck? <laughs> Right. You know, it's, how right. lucky are we, you know, like, thank you, Tom, like, thanks, dude, you know, and, and Jeff Grasso, like the skateboarder, I follow his, and they'll mm-hmm. put up these old photos sometimes where I'm just like, damn, thanks, Jeff, like, that's so cool and kind of vulnerable of you to put up this yeah. old shit. <laughs> right. So, you know, say, you know, everyone's going to talk shit on everyone for some weird reason, but uh, it's, they're in the end, you know, the choppers are, it's, it's what I said in the beginning, man. I've always kind of had that less is more yeah. attitude and, um, you know, skating or art or music, you know, like I like a lot of folk music, Towns Van Zandt, Guy Clark and music like that. It's a, it's a singer and a guitar. Simple. And that's it. And, and choppers are kind of like the singer and the guitar thing to me. It's stripped down and it's, it's simple and it's, and it's, it sounds right and it, and it looks right and it feels right. And, you know, building them for people, it's hard because like, man, I just want to build my, I want to build like three of my shitty 38 knuckle, my, my one that's like the one I ride the most. It's kind of a dirty leaky pile, Mm -hmm. but it always wants to run. I want, I want like, everyone to be able to experience that bike yeah and if i built three of those and some someone would be very critical of me you know sure. like, oh, dude he just built the same bike three times in a row but it's like <laughs> yeah but i actually i really believe in that bike man and i think everyone should have the opportunity to ride a bike like that it's it's kind of nuts it it, yeah. it 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 makes time stand still i swear yeah. you know and i think if anyone rode that bike and anyone that has has been like man this thing's kind of like magical it's, it's a weird machine yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, it is, right? But I've also, you know, when I built my 4Q bike with the twisted pipes and, you know, that look, like, people really responded to it because it was a different look. And, you know, I'd like to, you know, for someone to own that someday for, you know, the the amount of money that I value it at, you right. know? But, like, <laughs> right. there's what that value is actually quite high, you know, because it's, something yet i always imagine like giving my kid or something which i don't have so it's the bikes they take their own personality and that's the thing that i'm kind of thinking now you know you know the born free and the fabrication levels of people it's it's what i just said like oh man i hope people don't miss out on like the shitty old knucklehead or the shitty old cone shovel like you know, like my black mongoose I had as a kid, like mm-hmm. that bike was kind of a piece of shit, but it was so relevant at the time and it was so kind of perfect. I hope it just doesn't get all, it doesn't go too crazy. But if it does, like I was saying about being a vert skater, eh, I'll still have a chopper and I'll still ride it around. In speaking of, of bikes, um, when I saw your video come out, um, I just remember seeing the opening scene and I for some reason that the bike is it's a shovel head right You're, is it yeah, a generator shovel yeah 67 it's just 69 yeah it just it's stuck in my head and then the video like the artistic portion of the video 
just completed it. It was almost like, I don't know any guy or lady for that matter who would look at that video and not say to themselves, God, I wish that was me. Like, I wish I was like unchaining that bike, getting on it, taking off on it, and then ending it by like sitting on a rock overlooking the water and just being like, just chilling out and just being present. Right. Right. Um, but personally, you know, again, I, I think it was one of the better looking bikes and I didn't even get to see it in detail. Like, but I think it was one of the better looking bikes. Right. Well, see the bike in the video is my 69, like my daily driver. And the one, because I was building it at the time, the other one's a 67. So that is a 67. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just to, uh, but like, you know, little, yeah, little flame job, simple bike, but you know, the, the born three bike was fabricated like you know every single piece and i don't do the every single piece instagram document you know documentation because it's fucking boring personally for me um and i know people want to point out these like hey man it took fucking nine hours to make this exhaust bracket bitching (laughs) go right on how does the whole bike make you feel and if you want to get down on your hands and knees in the grass which i've done plenty of times and looked at it (laughs) Cool. If, if you understand what you're looking at, you'll understand how hard that was to make. Right. But, you know, like I said, less is kind of more. And that video was a vision that I had because, you know, everyone's talking about what they're building. And I was like, ah, you know, I thought about it today. If you wanted, if you're going to do something, you might as well do it good, right? Right. So, like, I have to make this video. I might as well try to make it really good. And that was a struggle to make that video Mm. because I had to have someone make it and I had to have that dude pick up on the vibe that I wanted to. And I told my girlfriend this, like, as a man, one of the most radical powers is, and I mean, or as a grown woman too, I imagine, but when you're grown up, you get to be like, hey man, I'm not cool with that. Right. And you're a grown-up. You're not a kid, and people listen to you. You know, unfortunately, you can't say, like, cops giving us a speeding ticket. You can try. Man, man, I'm not fucking cool with this 100-mile in a fucking 30-mile-an-hour zone. But, <laughs> you know, it. you can... And that's what I did with the editor of that video, and he was cool enough to listen. And I was like, this part, I look like a complete dork. Like, please take it out. Hmm. Please cut out this part of the the voiceover i'd sound like nasal dipshit like you know it like it went on and on for days yeah but still at the end when i saw it i was like fuck cool i'm glad we worked so hard at this yeah and that's just like a bike man i'm cool i'm glad we worked so hard like i'm this you know the first the fourth born free the panhead with the 3d flames the black and gold one jay's mm-hmm. bike like I got, I've never had a strep throat in my life. I got strep throat. I rode home on my knucklehead. My girlfriend, like, sick, had to get antibiotics. Like, that bike show killed me. It killed me. Wow. Didn't get invited to Japan. Didn't win a fucking prize. You know what I mean? Like, fuck it. You know, like, it sucks. And you're like, oh, man, that bike was pretty cool, right? What is it? You start going, is it cooler than that? Was it that worse? Was it worse than that bike? And then in the end, you're like, it doesn't matter. I, you know, I've got a, I've got a couple people to build bikes for, and that's what I need. I need to sell some T-shirts. 
and I, ho- I hope and I think people will buy them. You know, I sold T-shirts for the first time at a booth, aside from when I went to Japan a long time ago. First mm-hmm. time in my life at that last Born Free. People would come up, hey, man, I bought a shirt from you, blah, 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 two years ago. Hey, what's your name? Oh, yeah, I remember that from the blog. Like, I can remember most people's names because I write the little notes, you know. Mm-hmm. That shit's all really cool to me. But, like, it's, that's what it all, we get so wrapped up in the bullshit. And you're getting wrapped up in the bullshit of a, a machine that represents freedom. Right. And that should bring you joy. So you get, you get constricted by all the things that are surrounding that machine. The things like, what's cooler than, than this? Or who's yeah. cooler than this? Yeah. When when that machine itself represents freedom, like like the ride back that almost killed you, right? Like that's that's the part of it. Right. Like I bet you Tom Fugel, like even I'm gonna start having uh, my pops actually on this these podcasts. I don't know if I'll put one on yours just because um, I'm gonna make this one a little bit more special since it will run it a little longer. But like right. I'm gonna start having my pops, who's in his mid 60s, almost 70. Um, like he was around clubs all growing up right. and like he's got some stories man and i want to put those in you know and, and i i hope that like i hope that that his stories guys like my pops and like tom i hope that you know in this day and age of of technology and preserving you know people's um beings and their stories and all that stuff i hope that never goes away i hope that doesn't get lost right you know in it won't man because that's the stuff that matters, man. Those those dudes never thought about that. That's one thing I was I was thinking about earlier when when you were talking about, you know, is my bike as cool as this guy's bike? Like when the guys were building bikes, like back in the early days, they did not care. Like it was just like uh, I'm I don't. I'm gonna dis, I'm gonna disagree with you. Yeah. It, I don't think it was a shit talky, but like if those dudes wanted to blow the other dude's mind. They really did. They wanted to be like, "Hey, that guy with the purple knuckle from from Colorado, yeah. we're, this this one's gonna take him out." <laughs> like the guys that were just right. It, it's because there's two different circuits, you know. Sure, there's sure. like there's the right dudes that just rode and they wanted their shit to run. And then I think you know, I think the show dude, Tom included, and that was the one point I was gonna get to with Tom. Like people said to me, like, "You think fucking." some old biker dude building bikes wanted the attention cared about this hey man Tom loves attention as much as anyone I know sure it feels fucking good right yeah and he was he was ignored not ignored but like invisible for so long and we still you and I and you know my buddy Dylan and and uh you know those young guys that he has in his club now Mm -hmm. they worship that dude yeah. And he loves it. He eats it up, you know, in a good way. And like, fuck yeah, I'm a badass. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. yes, you are, Tom. You know, and thank you for being one. Yeah. But, you know, you talk to him about the old bike show days. They wanted to blow minds and they wanted the baddest bike. You know, now, you know? I think I think about that now. It, and I don't want to double back on what I said, but, you know, yeah. I'm not too prideful. Thinking about yeah. pictures that my pops showed me of a couple bikes that, that he built, you're right. You know, it was always like, well, instead of, you know, having like, 
I don't know, having the the front end all raked out, like I'm just going to have the bike that's like slammed to the ground, but like it's super fast and right. looks all slick. And yeah, it's, I mean, that's true. that's true. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not, maybe it wasn't for as much bragging rights as like, you know, just like, Hey man, you blew my mind at the last show. I'm fucking blowing your mind at this show. You know, I don't, you know, someone like T-Bone or someone like, man, that dude's so gnarly. You know, he is so fucking talented. Yeah. I'm not like, oh, man, is, am I, I'm going to try to one-up T-Bone or I'm going to try to one-up Jason Weber, like my bro. But right. you're like, man, these dudes aren't going to see this one coming. Ah, you know, like, <laughs> did you see the fucking handlebar clamp or did you see the kickstand I made or whatever right. it was? Like, you're like, kind of what I said before, like, fuck what everyone thinks, which is almost impossible, but, like, you want your bro, you're like, I hope my buddy notices. Yeah, you want their I approval. Like. Yeah, or, or, or uh, yeah, just that they notice, like, right. they're like, man, how many hours do you have into the tips of those exhausts? Actually, dude, it was kind of a weird thing. It went really easy. It took me about two hours, and, well, how'd you do it? You know, and that, that's kind of, you know, it's it's a craft and yeah. it's an art, but but like I said in the end, don't forget it's the, this freedom machine and and it's they're so fun to fucking ride. Right. You know, it it is it is not about just riding it down to the, the 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 little bike show or the swap meet or the diner. You know, like go ride it, go right. experience that part of it. You will not be talking as much shit as you do after you ride it. Right. Because you'll have better things to think about. You'll hopefully have cleared your mind of all the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> what is the most um, challenging or worst thing that you've had to experience in your life to date? And it doesn't have to be just motorcycle-related. Obviously, this is about your life, so... Whatever Oof, you're comfortable answering. Man. Yeah, dude. Um, you know, I think uh, just you know, criticism or or being critical of yourself. You know, not if I could if I could change one thing is you know being a skateboarder when skateboarding wasn't cool, and even the early days of like this chopper thing for me, like caring so much about what people think mm -hmm. when it really doesn't matter. It's, that's, that's a tough, you know, that's tough, man. Being, I was kind of a weird looking teenager and that was tough. And I cared so much. Like, fuck, I have so many fucking zits. And why did my nose get so big last summer? And why am I short? And, you know, like yeah. those things, like that really don't matter. Any. I mean, look at fucking people we admire, you know, like a lot of them are complete freaks, but they're confident and they own it mm -hmm. and they go through it too. I, I think, uh, you know, death of a couple really good friends of mine that died, you know, that's just, that's obviously a really painful thing. You know, I lost two really good friends. That was really difficult. But like just that, I think, you know, one of those difficult things is just like being comfortable in your own skin. Hmm. And I'm more comfortable in my own skin than I ever have been. 
and it took a long time to get there. But, you know, that, that was definitely just a challenge is like feeling like a weirdo or a freak a lot of the time. Yeah. But, yeah. That's a, I, I think that's, um, first of all, you weren't alone in that adolescent club. <laughs> <laughs> I was going, I was thinking to myself, are you explaining me right now? Cause that's exactly how right. Right. Um, and then second of all, being comfortable in, in your own skin is, I mean, that's, that seems like a lifelong struggle for everybody, you know, and to, yeah. be, to be able to get to a place where you're just okay with it. You know, that's heavy. I mean, it's, it's a right. heavy thing to get there. So it's a good thing to, totally. to be at the place where you're at. And maybe it's us. You know, you know, being critical of yourself and having people be critical of you, sometimes it creates, like, a certain drive. And, yeah. like, I think a lack of, like, complacency and normalcy that, like, you know, keeps things going. So maybe it's not, in the, you know, maybe when we're, like, 80, if we make it that long, you look back and be like, oh, I'm kind of glad I was kind of a weirdo, you know? That yeah. thing's interesting. But when you're going through it, it's a little different. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. If I make it to 80, I'm going to be like, shit, I hope, I hope all my other 80 year old friends are still around. <laughs> That's, and I, I hear know. that some of those older dudes, man. If, uh, sure. in contrast to that last question, um, what's the best thing that you've experienced to date? Um, you know, a lot of people say like, obviously the birth of their kids or like right. know, finishing school, getting my master's in bullshit. I don't know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know, man. It's uh I really have had a a blessed life and the whole thing has been a, a pretty amazing trip. Um the skateboard community has been like really, really cool to me and really kind and really supportive and you know, even with the bike thing, like, man, you're into these bikes they look so cool it looks like you're you know having a good time like skateboarding is definitely as much as i'm uh you know i have a denim cut off jacket and engineer boots i consider myself a biker mm-hmm. but uh i'm joking but you know i i'm really wrapped <laughs> up in bikes now I was, really cares. I was thinking for a second really oh cool i don't no, feel so much like no, a dork no, now. No, I, yeah no no i uh you know i I think, uh, I think, you know, what I was talking about with my mom and her being such a creative individual and Mm -hmm. that kind of turning into skateboarding to me and, and the bike thing, I, I guess the best thing that happened to me is, you know, realizing that you can just be creative and, you know, try things and fail and, succeed at things and and have that feeling you know like that i ever became a professional skateboarder is shocking to me you know like it was uh and to be supported by that community so much was Mm -hmm. was so cool um and then the chopper thing to like put so much work and passion into something and you know still dig it not be sick of it have people dig it make friends from it you know Riding to Tom's 50th El Forcero thing last summer was unbelievable. That's it was rad. a really cool experience. You know, I I uh, 
I went through a pretty heavy divorce and have a girlfriend that like helped me through that and didn't judge me too much and you know likes riding on the bike with me and digs the bikes and you know that that's where I'm at now and that's really cool you know life is uh you have to sometimes go through some some uncomfortable phases to right. to kind of get to the spot where uh the idle's just right and the you know your your motor's running good and and everything feels good you know and of course there's hiccups every day or, or here and there but i guess this is going to sound really weird or re- maybe really obvious but i'm really fortunate to be born in america and to be an american mm-hmm. And to have the opportunities and the freedom that we have, and I'm really happy to, to, you know, find motorcycles and be able to be a skateboarder. And you know, we we're so fucking lucky to yeah, be Americans. And I guess you know, it's patriotic. And I don't consider myself like this <laughs> super patriotic person, but like sure. we're so lucky. And I'm just coming back from Brazil yesterday. Right. So, you know, I had some some contrast there, but you know, we're we're lucky, man, and I'm lucky, and I'm lucky to have got to explore the things that I'm passionate about in life, and I'm not done yet, and that's a good feeling too. That's awesome. Yeah, Max, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk with you, and um, this is not me kicking you off, but um, <laughs> we're. I'm, uh, wait, 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 yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Don't forget to check the 4Q Twitter. The yeah. 4Q- <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I just picked up the card and I was like, okay, I'm going to read this now. <laughs> okay, so Max has about a list of about 50 different web things to go to. No, I'm, we're totally kidding. McDonald's hamburger giveaway. <laughs> right. Starbucks 20 ounce frappuccino with 4Q caramel logo. Uh that would be epic. You have to do the little uh, espresso shots with uh, with 4Q, like mark the milk with 4Q. Oh, boy, there's your phone saying it's over. The, no, that was my wife going, you fall asleep? Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, this dude's fucking boring me. Um, Not at all. But but no. you do have a web presence, so I do want to tell people about it because they probably already know. Because the people listening to the show probably already know who you are and – already know your blog and your Instagram. But for people who are new and don't know who Max Schaff is, you can find him at 4qconditioning.blogspot.com or on Instagram at 4q69. Is it 4q69 or 4q underscore 69? Just 4q69. Okay. That's what I thought it was, but just want to make sure. Um, Appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Hey, thank you for just your honesty and your openness. I mean... You're you're exactly who you seem to be to me. I have a real short temper, and I can be so critical, and I'm a little bit grouchy at times. But you know, that, that's all out there now. All right, man. Well, we all right, will, dude. We'll catch up with you again soon. 